Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards does not necessarily endorse any authors, opinions, or small animals expressed on the show. The show may not be suitable for adults, children, childish adults, or people with sensitivities to light, sound, or strong or weak opinions. Consult your doctor if you get a rash. Cookies will be provided if needed, but we will not waive the fee. I will try and interrupt you to make it difficult to edit, because I find that amusing. Now, you see how I timed that? Just as she was taking a drink. You know, I do have controls, and I can put you on mute. Can we find our way out of this uh, maze of rabbit trails? Embrace the rabbit trail. <laughs> so, I'm sorry that my interview has put your butt to sleep. <laughs> you are listening to the Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors. We'll be discussing their books, their fandoms, and their writing processes. So sit back and enjoy another exciting episode with your hosts, Aaron, Josh, and Liberty. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. This is episode 70 of our show with Paul D. Smith. I'm Liberty Spidell, your producer and one of the co-hosts. And today on the show, we discuss with Paul the pitfalls of pantsing. Uh, we have the guys giving me a bit of a hard time about several things, which, you know, that's kind of just normal at this rate. We discuss Bluetooth keyboards, and, you know, after hearing what Paul is able to do with having one, I kind of want to get one now, and as I was editing this episode, I was kind of browsing Amazon, and I think I might need one to get to get to use with my iPhone, so I'll have to see if I can find one, and maybe you guys have some recommendations, if you do, chime in on the Facebook page. That'd be awesome. So we also discuss uh, why reading out loud is an important editing tool. If you've never done this, it is really, really helpful. I've done it sometimes with my books, and I find I catch a lot of stuff this way. And we discuss just how important that is with Paul. Paul also discusses his techniques for battling writer's block and why he hates being frustrated, uh, and also selling books at conventions and why that's important to his marketing uh, practices as well. So we've got all kinds of stuff, great stuff, for you in this episode, and we hope you will enjoy it. Do you have a favorite author you'd like to have on the show, or you'd like us to have on the show? Uh, be sure to let us know. Drop us a line, let us know, and send us to their website if we're not familiar, in case we're not familiar with them, so we can get in contact with them and see about having them on the show. So really the only, you know, qualification for being on the show is that you have to write spec fic, so science fiction, fantasy, horror, Anything that kind of falls into those main categories or has a part of their story being in one of those categories, you know, they're pretty much fair game. So if you have a favorite author that nobody knows about but you, have them get in touch with us. We would love to have them on the show. You can always contact us via our email address, which is lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com. And yes, there is no and in that. I don't know why I didn't set it up properly. Anyway, so yeah, be sure to send us links to your favorite authors. So we would love to have them on the show. We are booking out for the rest of the year and starting to look at 2018. And we're excited to see where uh, the show takes us. So, and we're excited to share Paul with you today too. So let's go ahead and give him a listen, shall we? Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. We're here with Paul Smith, and in this episode, we will be discussing his writing process. So, Paul, are you a plotter or a pantser? I am a plotter. 
I used to be a pantser and that didn't work out well for me. So I am, it, yeah, I am now a, uh, you know, both feet in the water plot, plotter. I can totally relate to that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I used so to be total pantser. Water. What's that? Are you an index card or cork board plotter? I am a Excel spreadsheet plotter. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I have an Excel spreadsheet of the whole third book, and it's on my Google Drive. So wherever I go, I have it with me. Nice. And that's pretty swell, so. It seems to be yeah. nice a lot tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> that's nice of you. I've been lack of sleep or something. You have to get so, sleep, Aaron. <laughs> well, we're we're fostering some kittens. That's that's a long story. But anyway, they like to run back and forth and back and forth across the bed with their claws out, and you know that tends to keep you up. Oh my yeah, goodness! Boy. But anyway, plus, plus your horde of children. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what does your writing process look like? Well, you know. Working, obviously, I'm sure you all understand this, working a full-time job, you know, fitting writing in whenever I can can be a challenge. Um, so really, it's when I have time or trying to make time, I do a lot of writing like on my lunch breaks or, um, you know, sometimes like this time of night after everybody's gone to bed. Um, but I, I tend to do a lot of plotting and organizing in my head so that when I have those nuggets of time, when I can sit down and write, I can be as productive as possible. Um, so I usually don't sit down and start banging out a chapter until I have a pretty solid um, idea of what's going to be in the chapter and where it's going to go just because time is limited. Hey, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. so. It does. So do you end up, kind of a follow-up question, do you end up um, outlining kind of as you go then? You know, I did I did that for the first couple books. This book, the, the third book, which I'm working on now, I actually have um, every chapter written up in the spreadsheet with a synopsis of what's in each chapter. So, so yeah, when I sit, yeah, so when I sit down to write, I say, okay, I'm on chapter 33. What goes in chapter 33? Oh, yeah, that. And then I can just start writing and, and it kind of takes a lot of pressure off me. And for, so for the third book, I made a commitment to myself. I wasn't going to start writing until I had that spreadsheet complete. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that took me, I don't know, a good six weeks just to do the spreadsheet until oh, wow. I was, until I was ready. And, um, but I, I am super happy that I did it. Yeah. I have a bad habit of starting writing when I'm about halfway through my outline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and this book that I'm working on right now, I totally ditched the outline about 30,000 words ago. <laughs> oh, no. Uh -oh. <laughs> but you're also, what, like 50,000 words over budget? <laughs> yeah, I am. My, my budget for my book is 130,000 because it's, you know, adult fiction. Right. I'm currently at 155. Oh, no. <laughs> that's That's longer. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you don't plot, young lady. <laughs> this is exactly what happened in my last book, too. <laughs> but, you know, the cool thing about using a spreadsheet is, you know, I, I, I do have, 
I, and I have it a couple of times. I've changed it. So yeah, you just re, you know, reorganize the the rows, or you you know insert a new row to stick a new chapter in, and it's it's pretty easy to adjust along the way. But yeah. at least at least I have that roadmap of where I'm going. Yeah, um, I yeah. I out, I outline by hand in a notebook, and then I transfer everything over to Scrivener. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, and the note cards and stuff are, are pretty handy because you can move those around, and then when you're drafting, you can just move the chapters or the scenes around as you need to, and I like that too. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And that kind of sort of leads back to our next question: and how long does it take you to knock out a draft? So far, my experience with the first two books and this one is heading in that direction is about two years to get you know the you know to make it all the way through the book the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and again, that's because I'm you know writing part time. So, um, so I, I, I don't feel so bad now. What's that? I don't feel so bad. Somebody else <laughs> to write too. Yeah. Um, but you know now that i know that i can kind of organize my time because when you know when i'm going to start the fourth book then i know okay it'll be this long and i'll need this much time so yeah it's kind of like developing a pattern a habit <laughs> it's not a bad thing yeah have, having those ideas on how you actually work is so much helpful when you get further along in your career because you can say okay well i think it's going to take this long but i know it's actually going to take this long Right, so, right. So, so you outline in Excel. Do you use Word, or do you have another preferred software that you use to actually yeah, I, write? Yeah, I use um, Google Docs to write. Okay. So, um, you know, I, and I the way I do it is I have a different file for each chapter. So, um, you know, and, and that's mainly because, again, with writing time, uh, you know, if I find, you know, like I'm at church and I got, I'm there for a service, but I don't have anything to do. I get out my phone, I get out my little Bluetooth keyboard, and I sit down and write for 45 minutes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So that's what Google Docs really, I mean, so yeah, it's all there out on, on the cloud, on the cloud, excuse me. So, um, yeah. yeah. You know, Scrivener does have an iOS app. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Okay. <laughs> this episode brought to you by... <laughs> By Apple. <laughs> We're not actually paid by Scrivener. <laughs> Let's just clarify that. Right just Scrivener, so. Yet. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there because I hear a lot of people use using the that setup for the cloud, but you can also have it synced to your computer if you've got Scrivener or something. So Okay, cool. Oh. If if you're an Apple user, if you're not Sorry. Then you're sorry. No, that's all right. No, I've heard a lot of good things about Scrivener. I just haven't made the investment yet. <laughs> Considering how much it costs for Office, it's actually very reasonable, especially if you oh, can well. catch it on a day when it's on sale. So it okay, is. Cool. It's like on sale. It's like twenty bucks. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the iOS app is like twenty dollars normally, and if you catch it on a sale day, it might be twelve. So. Yep. Oh wow. So honestly, um, they're not paying us. <laughs> really, no, they're not paying us. <laughs> so, uh, do you use uh, Excel uh, for your research as well, or do you have another tool for that? Yes, I have the high tech tool of Green Notebook, 
that's uh <laughs> that sits in my backpack. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I haven't heard about software. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's rare, it's but it's hardware, really. it's relatively inexpensive. <laughs> well, we could get into the really technical sure. part of what pen do you prefer, but maybe we ought to just drop that. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a I have my little secret notebook that I carry around my backpack wherever I go that has all my research in it. Fun. I do the same thing for when I'm working on drafting, you know, out my or fleshing out my outline. So I yeah, have yeah. my green backpack next to me and I've got my Thor notebook inside of it. <laughs> oh, a Thor notebook? See, that's cooler than what I have. Yeah. I, I have an iron I have an Iron Man one at home and I, Cool. Uh, I think I have a Chewbacca one too. I can't remember. Oh, that's cool. You mentioned notebook, and all I can think about is Harry the Spy. So everybody here's read that book, right? I know of it. I think I've read it. It's been probably twenty five years since I've read it, though. Sounds about right for me too. Yeah, it was published in the eighties. Yeah. Anyway, oh, hey, this is my question. We that. Where do you go to edit, and do you do any self-editing? And you can answer that question in the form of Starbucks or an editor's name. <laughs> um, I am a horrible at editing at my own work. Um, so part of the Kickstarters that, that I've raised are to purchase some pretty heavy-duty professional editing services. Yeah, uh, the first book I use create spaces editing and I wasn't as happy with that. And so for book two council of ancients, I went with, I think it's Indigo publishing. I think there's out on the West coast. Um, and that I actually like got a person's name and we had a nice correspondence. And, uh, so I was much happier with, with that editing that, um, but when, one of the things that I find really helpful is when I'm reading my book to my kids, um, just reading it out loud, I hear a lot of things that, okay, no, I got to fix that and I got to edit that. So I do count on being able to read it out loud to, to the kids because that actually helps me edit. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I know a lot of authors like to read their works out loud, especially on that final pass. You catch so many typos and stuff. So Yes. Yeah, and, I know. And, and you're you're able to hear like the cadence of your sentences and of your paragraph structure, and yeah. um, you can catch too when you've repeated words a little bit mm -hmm. too much. So yeah. it's it's really valuable. Yeah, I'm. It is getting an audiobook production on my latest right now, and even now I'm st and I, I've been published since December. I still am having her tweak little things that I hear as she's reading it, which is wow. the beauty of self-publishing because you can still go in and tweak that. But I just hear things that I didn't catch and my proofreader didn't catch that my editor didn't catch. So I have just convinced that no matter how many times I read one of my books, I will always catch something else. Yeah. And I've, I've heard, prolific authors that have been published for 25, 30, 40 years, whatever, say the same thing. So, Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, but that is the beauty of self-publishing. If you still find an error, mm -hmm. you just go change it, and it's uploaded within 24 hours. So, Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, so. Yeah. 
Then you just have to worry about those that have print copies that don't get the changes made. <laughs> right, right, right. Now what's the collector's <laughs> I'm not going to say that I found uh, found a couple of little things in the omnibus, Liberty, but I found a couple of things. <laughs> I'm sure you did, actually. So, so um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I corrected a couple of uh, continuity errors in the last, yeah, probably in, in there since I gave that to you. So, <laughs> anyway, so back on topic, Paul, um, yes. how, how do you deal with writer's block or do you even get it? Oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it fairly often. I, you know, for me, I, I find it very frustrating to try to just sit in front of the computer and, you know, push through it. So I get up and I walk away. And if that means, you know, two days or a week later before I come back and sit down, then so be it. But I don't, I don't want to be frustrated with my, my story, you know? Um, so yeah, I, and it, that usually works for me because often I'll push through the block by hearing, you know, something in the car or, you know, the kids say something or you get that moment of clarity in the shower in the morning. Um, so, yeah, for me, I just have to walk away. That that does work. That's what I use as well or a tool I use as well. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll come back to it uh, two days later and, hey, now this makes sense. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, what was I thinking? Dooley, dooley, dooley. Yeah, here we go. No. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Yeah, distance for me is a good thing when I have writer's block. So, uh, do you have any favorite snacks or beverages that are must-haves when you spill ink? You know, I don't, to be honest with you. Um, I... I mean, I like snacking. Like, so, okay, for example, sometimes when I'm writing on my on my lunch break at work, I usually have like a bag of combos in my desk, and I might munch on a few of those. Um, but nothing really comes to mind. Uh, no, I can't think of anything. Hey, that okay. means that uh, you're maybe a little healthier than some of us. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But <laughs> I'm just going to write down combos here. And combos, there you go. I usually have like chocolate covered almonds or something. So. Oh, well, that's like yeah. brain food, though, right? Almonds or nuts are brain food. Sure. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably better than the ice cream I'm prone to late at night. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just held up uh, for our listeners. I just held up to the camera some uh, Chips Ahoy s'more cookies. So that, that, that's nice. my type of brain food. <laughs> All right, and next question is along a similar vein. Do you listen to music while you're right? And if so, what? I actually don't. I get, that would distract me way too much. Which so, but this is bizarre. I can go write in like a public place where there's all kinds of chatter going on around me, and that's like white noise for me. I can block that out. But if I listen to music, I I I think my brain wants to sing along with music as opposed to focusing on what I'm writing. So hmm. so yeah. So, 
So no yeah. singing and writing and dancing for you, right? Right. Now, the other one thing I can do, which is, I don't know if this is weird or not, is I can put a movie on that I've seen like 53 times and that acts as background noise and I can, and I can focus with that. But music, I, I just can't for some reason. Yeah, I can actually That's do that too. Star Wars or uh, yeah. Iron Man yeah. or something. I'll start I, along with Star Wars. <laughs> I can, you know, even just having the TV on, I will do it if I'm waiting on the news to come on or something. Right, right. Well, the news, yeah. That's easy. I like the weather and the sports. So the weather, maybe. Yourself. Don't write outside. <laughs> I can write outside the day after that. <laughs> Sports. Click. <laughs> Sorry, I happen to be a, a baseball and a football fan. So oh, that's awesome. I, I'm weird for being a spec fic writer. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but for the wrong team's liberty. Oh, no. Well, we're all scattered across the Midwest, so I can't help it that I'm a Kansas City fan and Josh is a Minnesota fan. Oh. <laughs> uh, go Starfleet Academy running team. <laughs> so, um, a little more serious. How did writing Jason and the Draconauts change you? Um, it changed you into a little blue minion, obviously. That, <laughs> you know, I think it I think it showed me that, wow, I can actually do this kind of thing, you know, um, that I can actually commit to a big project like this and bring it to completion. And then it showed me, wow, I can do it again. You know, when the second book came out, mm -hmm. um, it also, I, I feel like some of the, some of the conventions I've been attending to sell books, um, I had a really, you know, kind of a, a strong experience at one I went to where I, I saw the whole pop culture um you know fandom in, in a different light and it i actually wrote about it on my facebook page if people want to go and scroll down to like september um so it's given me uh the 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 creation of the book has given me experiences with with pop culture fandom in in a different light that i don't think i would have had if i hadn't been at a convention selling books does that make sense mm -hmm. um yeah so, so yeah, uh, and I, I do, I kind of, I, I feel like it's made me a little bit more creative or appreciate, appreciative of creativity. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. really, when yeah. you, you stop and think about it, it really makes sense that you would appreciate it more. Right. So. Right. I agree. Um, <laughs> So, uh, now for the question that everybody either loves or hates. Um, what do your marketing practices look like? They look dismal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to get a better handle. Yeah, you like that? I'm trying to get a better handle on that. Um, just because, you know, I have, mm -hmm. I, have, I have some proceeds from book sales kind of built up a little bit which yeah. is a good thing. Um, and when you see how much advertising costs, <laughs> you don't want to give away those proceeds. <laughs> um, but uh, 
and I actually, so there's a, there's a local website here in the town I live in that I purchased an ad for, and I, I'm not sure how that went, uh, as far as like return on investment. Um, but I know, I so know it's necessary and it's like trying to fight my two natures of being frugal with money, but at the same time, knowing that advertising in some ways, if you do it right, does work. So, uh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. I've, I've been trying to get a handle on it myself and it is just, it, it's squirrely. Some things that will work for one person doesn't work for you and you never know mm. totally what's going to work. So, right, so far, right. I know it's here. Don't steal Paul's marketing. Yeah. Ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I like, I like, I tried the whole Facebook ad thing and mm. I'm guessing I did it wrong because not much really happened with that, but huh. yeah, yeah, I have much luck with Facebook ads myself either and it's hard to track that um, right um, I'm right now I'm toying with Amazon ads and I haven't been doing it long enough to know whether or not they work but I mean I have made at least one sale off of it so well, that's, that's good. something right, right? From, from a web hosting perspective here uh, what you want to do to track that is create a separate URL yeah, yeah, and you have to have a that URL, and then from that URL, send them to Amazon or wherever. Yeah, and that way you can uh, prep through your DOM logs and figure out where exactly how many hits you got for them. Yeah, I and mean, you do have to do that. I mean, having a Bitly or something that you can track that with. Right. So, but I have I've done the Facebook ad thing too, and it's hard to know whether or not you're making any headway or just spitting into the wind. Yeah, I can just take that 20 and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah. felt like that's what I did the first time, yeah. Yeah, I totally hear you on that one. <laughs> They're good for doing other things, like getting your name out or adding to your mailing list, but I'm not so sure that they're great for selling books. <laughs> right, right. Either that or we're just doing it wrong. And that's a distinct possibility. So. Either that or just, you know, didn't work out this time, and sometimes it does. And I do feel right. like it's a lot like, you know, spin the dart board and, you know, throw a dart at it and get it uh, blindfolded. And, yeah. That's and what I'm thinking. I think some of it's luck sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you hit the balloon dead on. Sometimes the dart uh, bounces off the balloon. Sometimes you have an insurance claim for your lovely <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Yondu's in, in charge of the That's right. Era, That's right? right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, I think it's your turn. It probably is. Oh, fun question again. Which fandom or fandoms do you feel have influenced your writing the most? We kind of already talked about this. I did. Yeah, I mean, the sci-fi fantasy fandoms, uh, I, I talked about Dungeons and Dragons, which was, you know, big part of my, you know, growing up in high school years. Uh you know, I in my books, I make a lot of pop culture references. Like, I've referenced, oh my gosh, what have I referenced? Doctor Who, The Walking Dead, various superheroes. Um, and that's just all reflective of me. Uh, the fandoms that I love and, and uh, you know, just find very much, you know, a part of my life and fun to, to, be, to be around. So, so, yeah, all that stuff. Um, a lot of times if you see me quote, you know, or reference one of those in my book, it's because, you know, 
I love that stuff. So yeah. Hey, who doesn't? Turns out a lot of people, but they're weird. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know I have little Easter eggs for my readers all over the place. So I need to figure out all the ones that I've actually dropped and do a contest sometime. There you go. <laughs> I, I want to yeah. do that with my books sometime once I get a sequel or two. I'll be make people pick up on which ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll. I'll look back at something I've written and it's like, oh, wait, I know what I was watching when I wrote that section. <laughs> yes, yes. That's so funny. So true. So, so true. So, so Paul, what is your favorite book? Hmm? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's, I don't know if I have a favorite book. Um, you know, growing up, the, the Hobbit was just, I think that's what really got me reading fantasy so the hobbit is in very high regard as is the lion the witch and the wardrobe um I mean, choices, sir. Yeah, we, we talked about ready player one i wouldn't say that's my favorite book but but right now that's like it's just so much fun to read um yeah and so and this is one that might not uh might not be expected but uh dan brown's da vinci code and angels and demons because the way he writes, uh, the way he structures his chapters, uh, kind of very much influence how I write my books. Um, so I wouldn't say they're favorite. I wouldn't say they're favorites, but they're influential. Well, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I, I totally understand that one. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I have some that I wouldn't say are necessarily my favorites, at least not anymore. But they definitely influence my writing style. Right, because because if you know if I'm aiming at like middle grade, early high school, you know the way Dan Brown writes. I mean, he writes short chapters. Um, you know, they're page turners. You don't have to read very far before you can you know come to an end of the chapter. And I feel that works for younger audiences. I wouldn't say the subject matter of his books work, but I think that structure of a book really would work for a younger audience. And so that's kind of why I, I emulate that a bit as I write my books. Yeah. It works for an older audience, sense. too, because I mean, <laughs> people are wanting shorter chapters nowadays so they can, you know, read a, just a short little bit while they're, you know, riding the train mm -hmm. or whatever. And right. <clears throat> so it makes sense really across the board, for it, especially if your story structure will support it. Right, right, yeah. right. So. Um, Josh? Oh, it is my question, isn't it? Uh, so what's something that surprised you most about being an author? So this might be an odd answer, but the mood swings. No, I so, understand that. <laughs> so yeah, there, I was just describing to somebody yesterday that, uh, you know, he says, oh, doesn't it feel good to write, you know, when you're making progress? I'm like, no, not all the times. <laughs> You know, I was I was just telling a buddy of mine tonight, I'm kind of coming out of a, wow, everything I write sucks, don't let me near a keyboard phase, you know, and I'm finally <laughs> feeling, I'm finally feeling a little bit better about, about my story now. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's weird how it comes in, you know, in waves. I didn't expect that. Um yeah, but, and all the people who have been writers are listening along are going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh -huh. and all the new writers <laughs> right now are going, uh-huh. 
<laughs> you, mean, you mean it's not all parades and stuff? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I, so, so yeah, that really surprised me. And and being on my third book, I thought, okay, well, now I'm ready for this. I'm good. It's not going to happen again. And it happens a lot. <laughs> every book has its own quirks, and it all, all every book is going to have some different hiccups that you're going to learn from. That's what I've come to learn in you know the few years that I've been published and stuff. So you just kind of have to take it. You know, this is this book's quirks. So yes, this is yes. The, what I'm going to learn from this yep. book. So my friend K.M. Wyland talks about that as well, a lot on her blog. It's, you know, this book taught me this. So you have to sit down after you're done and figure out what did this book teach me. Huh? But that's really good. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Katie's got some good stuff. So Cool. Um, Aaron? Yes. <laughs> It's <laughs> 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 <was> too easy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so what's one piece of writing advice that you would like to share with aspiring authors? So I love this question because I I get asked a lot when I go visit classrooms. Um, so I tell people, you know, when you're just getting started, write what you know. Um, figure out something that you know, a, a subject matter that you're familiar with. Um, and the second thing I tell them is just write. Don't, when you're starting, don't worry about, you know, your grammar and your syntax. Just get words on paper. Get that habit of, you know, getting your ideas out. And, you know, the rest is, the other things are important, but they will come in time. Just get writing and put ideas on paper, and that's my piece of advice for you know up and coming authors or people just getting started. I think that's great advice. I, I mean, really. Aaron, are you like taking a picture of the screen? <laughs> it's very noisy here, and I am messaging my wife to her. Can you please turn that loud toy off? <laughs> oh, the choice of littles. Oh, man. Oh, uh, wrapping up. Um, we, are, we asked it in the first episode, but we'll ask it again in the second episode, just so our listeners don't have to listen to both of them if they don't want to. Um, or maybe they're listening to it a week apart and they forgot by now. Um, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Jason and the Draconauts? Yeah, so uh, I have a Facebook page. That is like my main method of getting information out there. Um, uh, so it's Jason and the Draconauts on Facebook. Uh, I tell people I don't post something necessarily every day or even every week just because you know it's boring that hey finished another chapter every month or every quarter oh no wait that's me again (laughs) so there's that um i also have a a uh goodreads author page that you can go and you know i don't know what you do you like it or you follow it and um the third way is i'm on amazon so you can buy the paperback copies the kindle version there and uh you know, if you read them, leave reviews because those are always cool. Reviews are important. And the same on Goodreads. Um, if you want to do both, that's even better. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's where they can. That's where they can go for that. Well, awesome. So, thanks for coming and hanging out with us tonight. It has been a blast. Oh, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Well, you'll have to let us know when the next one comes on, and if you want to come on and uh, share that too, we'd be more than happy yeah. to have you on again. I will keep you guys up on the newest and latest. Great. Awesome. So. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you. It, yes, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com or send us a tweet at ldkpodcast. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1 by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means if you're not for profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. If you are for profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Sweet water and light laughter, till next we meet. <laughs>